0: session with Dr. Farid Hulakou.
1: Good evening and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadir Talaqui. I'm your host, Dr. Fadir Talaqui, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. Um, but I ask that all questions be directed towards my guest tonight, Dr. Jennifer Galvin, who I'll introduce shortly. Um, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can also call in with any questions related to clinical psychology uh, for our guests tonight. The shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes, and you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to suggest topics for the program or books for Books of the Week. And before I introduce uh, my guests, I just wanted to quickly announce that the book from last week I'll be discussing Wednesday which is uh, Tana Hase Coates' book, We Were Eight Years in Power, an American tragedy. And the book for this week is The Eye in Life by Sarah Del Passant. And the author will actually be joining me on the show next Monday to discuss the book with me. So tune in next Monday uh, where I'll be discussing the book, The Eye in Life. But let me introduce you to Dr. Jennifer Galvin, who has been on the show a few times. Already, she is a licensed clinical psychologist in private practice in Encino. She received her Bachelor of Arts from San Diego State University, where she majored in psychology. She later earned a Master of Arts in Clinical Psychology and a Doctor of Philosophy in Clinical Psychology, a PhD from the California School of Professional Psychology. That's actually where her and I were classmates, and I met Dr. Galvin. She also obtained advanced clinical training in psychoanalytic psychotherapy at the New Center for Psychoanalysis, where she earned a certificate in psychoanalytic psychotherapy. Dr. Galvin, thank you for joining me today.
0: Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so happy to be here again.
1: Great. So happy to have you on, too. um I've had you on a few times. One time we talked about helicopter parenting, actually, and today yes. we are again going to be talking about... Parenting, and more specifically, we're going to cover a few topics. Uh, but the way I can describe it is, is how to make sure you're parenting your child in the unique way that he or she truly is, rather than thinking there's a one-size-fits-all answer or approach to how to parent your child. And related to that, one thing we're going to cover is parenting an introvert and what that even means. You'll explain to us, and also parenting multiple children, something that you have professional knowledge about, but also personal experience as a mother of three lovely daughters. Um, So why don't we start first with, because we're going to get into the idea of introversion, extroversion, something we hear a lot about. Can you tell us a little bit about what those terms even mean?
0: Yeah, we can get into that. I just want to say before we do that, I'm actually really passionate about this topic. Mm -hmm not only because I have children of my own and parenting is obviously something important in my own personal life, but I do think this is something that's often overlooked, uh, particularly in regards to parenting. Um, As you mentioned, I think parenting is often taught as um, a one-type, one-answer kind of form, and unfortunately, it doesn't seem to work for all children and as everybody knows all children are different from one another and having the same parenting style or techniques or discipline whatever it may be um, applied to each child doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. work as effectively as you know the way we're going to talk about it tonight so i will um Basically, before we get started, I'll talk a little bit about, I'm going to use the term nature often here. Um, Nature is a little bit different than personality, that I think personality is something that develops over time with your environment and and also along with your nature, but your nature is more of this basic disposition, like a biological part. And I Mm -hmm. think for those of you who do have children of your own, or even have spent time with children, nieces, nephews, whatever it may be. Children are born with a particular nature, and mm-hmm. sometimes it can be noticed even right at birth, once the baby is in your arms at the hospital. Um, so everyone has their own nature, and children also have their own nature. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this term has been popularized by um, one of, you know, the old psychological theorist Carl Jung, and... Um, And it's progressed through time and it has been used in a lot of different forms. So, you know, we it's interchangeable with personality Mm -hmm. and sometimes people will use one term versus the other, but they mean the same thing. Um, And you'll see that employers and schools and a lot of different places will use personality types of. Um, scales or whatever it may be. And technically, we're kind of talking about the same thing. So mm-hmm. these measures that will tell you what kind of a person you are, what type of personality right. you have, what nature you have. Um, and the two most popular... Do
1: you mind if I chime in for a second? Yeah, Because I, I really liked what you were talking about. Um, and I think we're moving in that direction overall, this idea of individualizing things, even in education. We talked a bit about it before uh, we came on the air tonight about how that's becoming more common. But they're recognizing the individual as an individual rather as just there's human beings and everyone is just one thing and it's supposed to be one way. And I think that's a really good movement that we're seeing that people are moving towards that. But this is especially true in parenting and your, uh, your role as a parent isn't to make your kids become a certain way, a right way, a wrong way, and some of which we'll talk about. But to bring out the best of them, and I like how you're using that word, their nature, who they are at their core and who they can be at their best. Um, Sometimes the analogy I like to use is, you know, parents might think you're supposed to make your kid look a certain way. So it's like if you've been given a plant and you think it's supposed to, the flower should look a certain way. Mm -hmm. But really what you're given is a seed. And we don't know what kind of flower or plant that seed is going to look like. What your role as a parent is to Provide the healthiest environment for that child, that seed to grow into whatever flower they are going to be, which could be unique. And even you can have two kids and they can be very different. So those flowers mm-hmm. can look very different. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make one better, worse, beautiful, or less beautiful. It means they're just different. So we're supposed to bring out that nature, the best. That we can't.
0: Yeah, I think the difficulty with that in terms of parenting can be when our own expectations or wishes get involved, mm-hmm. then it can get a little bit confusing as to where we end and when the child, where the child begins. Right. And so, you know, we talked about this on a previous show, how we often say that we want our children to be happy, yet we don't necessarily allow room for the choices that they make in their life. Um, You know, we talked about if your child is happy working at Walmart or Target, Mm -hmm. would that be okay for you? And a lot of parents say no, even if that's what's making your child happy. And so it's important to be conscious of that boundary that exists between you and your child in order to allow space for their seed and their soul or however you want to look at it to grow based on who they are and what their nature is right. because you know oftentimes the other parts that get very mixed up with parenting is you know we will project some of our own wishes on our children Absolutely. or things we wish we did and we regret not doing and we don't want our children to go through the same things and you know it's very important to be conscious of allowing space between you and your child mm-hmm. so that your child can learn who he or she is right and understand who he or she is and appreciate who he or she is because with all of the pressure and the expectations that already come in our society the child really doesn't need that at home Mm -hmm. from their parents as well
1: yeah and as you mentioned um consciously or unconsciously as a parent you're gonna project your own issues onto your kids and that's why it's so important as a parent to really know yourself better and to work on your own issues. There are so many books that talk about this. One is um, Parenting from the Inside Out by Mm -hmm. Daniel Siegel. But I think as a parent, rather than just learning the techniques, which is very important, there there are some basic parenting techniques and principles which can be good and are good, but you have to know yourself really well on your own issues because like you said, your own unfulfilled wishes you might put onto your kids or expectations or things about yourself you like or you don't like um experiences you had you're going to put those onto your kids rather than letting them have their own experience and again you might be listening to saying i don't do that but even if you're not aware of it we know that at least unconsciously at some level you're going to do right. that we really we have you know when it's unconscious you don't really have control over it that's that's the issue so knowing yourself and knowing your own issues can be so critical in actually allowing your child to be themselves who they are rather than something you want or you expect or something you're afraid they'll become mm-hmm. and then putting that onto them and adding that, that pressure uh, not letting them grow. Um, but you know, we did t- touch on different things already, but, um, we can talk maybe about the different types of, you know, nature, at least one aspect of it, because this is one, like you said, that is getting a lot more publicity, I think in actually a good way. So maybe you can tell us about this extroversion introversion what that means
0: right so extroversion is probably one that more people are familiar with Mm -hmm. Um, a good way to look at these two terms is to look at how one manages or replenishes their personal energy Mm. and so extroverts um, are often known to be more outgoing um, talkative they have a lot of energetic behavior. Um, they may show more enthusiasm. You know, they they like social gatherings. They want to be around other people. Their focus is on the outside world versus their inside world, and they're energized by being around other people. They they enjoy it. There's some gratification from outside environment, objects, people, and not so much interest in being alone or. Um, being isolated. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at this in terms of managing or replenishing energy, extroverts actually gain energy from being around other people. And they feel that their energy is replenished and increasing in social gatherings or when they're around other, other people, other Mm -hmm. social gatherings. Um, Introverts quite the opposite, and of course this is on a spectrum. So people don't necessarily lie on one end versus the other, but they can fall somewhere in between. Introversion is more, um, the person enjoys more solitary behaviors. They may become overwhelmed by a lot of people around them or a busy environment. Um, They're easily and constantly affected by others. And their focus is more on their inner world, their inner activity. Um, they enjoy being alone. They have a lot of, uh, a wide range of imagination and visions and dreams. Um, and they're pretty creative people. And they're this is one thing that I think is important to clarify. They're not necessarily shy. Mm-hmm. I think oftentimes those two terms can get mixed together as well.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's very true. Um
0: it's not that they fear social encounters or that they're too timid to confront someone or to be in social gatherings. It's that they prefer a more reserved, solitary type of behavior. And so in terms of energy, their energy is actually depleted by being around other people and being in loud, busy environments. Mm -hmm. And so you'll see introverts that... May not appear to be introverts in social gatherings because they're sociable and they talk to people and they interact, but that actually depletes their energy. And so you'll see that they'll have to go home or they'll go in the other room or in the bathroom and just mm-hmm. take a break, um, take some deep breaths, or they need to be alone to recharge that energy. So it takes energy from them to be able to do those things.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was a great way of explaining both of those. And I think as you, alluded to there definitely is a bias in our society towards extroversion is somehow being better so um you know this idea that everyone has to be able to speak in, in front of a lot of people have a lot of friends be outgoing you want your kid to be popular and to you know be loud and be that kind of a person uh and really what opened my eyes to this i thought about it before but susan kane's book quiet uh it's called quiet the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking um, was really good because it made me realize how much we do have this bias that this idea is that if your kid is talkative and talks to a lot of kids or if a person is very talkative and likes to be in big groups like that's good if you like to be alone you know even we think of oh you're antisocial, or there's all these like kind of ways that people will judge someone for being An introvert, but really what she outlines in that book is this idea that there's actually a lot of power from introversion. You talked about creativity, they can be more reflective, they can, uh, you know, really connect actually one on one, maybe more than prefer groups, but really connect in a deep way. Often, actually, introverts prefer deep conversations, whereas extroverts kind of can like a shallow conversation and talk to a lot of people. And sometimes, actually, that depth is even more meaningful and valuable. So um, it's this idea just to recognize in general that extroversion isn't better than introversion. Uh, and especially when it comes to your kids, you're not supposed to make them extroverts if they're introverts and there's not something wrong with them. And even judging them sometimes, like you said, that word, like shy, people think, oh, like you're shy. I was like maybe they're just not as comfortable in big groups and that's okay. You don't have to make them feel bad about it. Right. You can make them feel like that's that's your nature and that's okay. Now interacting in the real world, they probably are gonna to have to be around people and figure out ways to navigate that. But don't make them feel bad about their nature. Okay, mm-hmm. you're more comfortable mm-hmm. like this. Your brother is more comfortable like that. Neither one of you is better or worse. It's just different. Uh, and make sure we don't, you know, make them feel that way. But that was really eye-opening for me reading that book this year. So you're like, wow, like I even hold that bias myself, and it's something to be aware of.
0: Yeah, I think definitely life can be easier for extroverts since mm-hmm. our society is pretty much built in an extroverted way, and so a lot of the activities and a lot of the things that go on and interactions and most people tend to be more on the extroverted end of the yeah. spectrum, and you know, there's, there are, there is research that indicates, you know, extroverts are happier. They, there are more pause, they have more positive outlook. They, they do respond better to negative affect. They may not take things so deeply and personalize them. Um, but like anything else, there's pros and cons to Mm -hmm. both and there's advantages and disadvantages. And so, um, you know, introverts, they, they tend to be more academically oriented, intelligent, gifted, like you mentioned, they like to have deep conversations. And so it, it can be easier for an extrovert to function in our world. Mm-hmm. And that's just a fact. Um, however, we have to help our children appreciate their nature. And if it's an introverted one, the, most of them will grow up to think that there's something wrong with them why is the world set up in a way that doesn't fit me Mm -hmm. why are most people so social and outgoing and talkative and energetic and for me it's exhausting and depleting and takes so much effort to participate and so you'll see that introverts have a hard time understanding themselves and accepting themselves. And so if we can offer this to our children at a young age and help them understand that this is their nature, mm-hmm. this is a biological component that's instilled in them, that it's not that something's wrong with them. It's not that the parents did something wrong. It's not any of those things, but this is just who they are. Then they can come to terms with what they're capable of and what their, um, Advantages are and what their right. where their power lies, mm-hmm. and they'll move forward in a lot more of a positive way if we take that approach. Right.
1: Yeah. And as I was saying before, you know, the your role as a parent is just to help your children understand themselves, bring out the best of their nature, and to also love themselves for who they are. And we'll talk a bit more about um, introversion and extroversion after the break, and about parenting your child with their unique personality or unique nature and who they are, and also parenting multiple children, which is uh, something I think sometimes an overlooked challenge of parenting. We think that, okay, being a parent is one thing, but you really have to be sometimes different parents to your different children, and that can be a big challenge. So I'm here with Dr. Jennifer Galvin. We'll talk a bit more about parenting after the break. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I am again joined by psychologist Dr. Jennifer Galvin. And before the break, we were talking about um, introverts and extroverts and, and this quality, specifically about parenting. But we, we want to elaborate on it a little bit more to make sure people know what we're talking about. Because a lot of these types of terms people use a lot, say, oh, he's such an introvert or she's such an extrovert. Um, but we might not always know what it looks like. And we actually also thought we could share about ourselves a little bit because I myself am an extrovert. i see myself on that side of the spectrum. And I think you see yourself as an introvert. Yes. And what's interesting is we've talked about this a little bit before. You're talking about the energy idea how what gives you energy or what takes away your energy. And for me, when I do the show, when I leave, I always have more energy than before I started the show. Whereas for you, you were saying... Yeah, so
0: one of the things we were talking about was that it's sometimes difficult to tell the difference between the introversion and the extroversion because the behaviors will look the same. And so it's interesting that we find ourselves on opposite ends of the spectrum. You consider yourself an extrovert. I consider myself more introverted. Mm -hmm. However, we're both on the radio show doing the same behaviors. And so it doesn't necessarily have to limit you, and it's sometimes difficult to even— tell who or what someone is based on their behaviors. Mm -hmm. And so I like to focus on the energy part because that's a really good way for me to distinguish exactly which side of the spectrum someone may fall. And so for you, as you mentioned, when you do the show or when you do lectures and seminars, you gain more energy from that. For me, I'm able to do all of those things as well, but I will need to have some time alone for myself to recuperate, recharge. And so I'll speak on the show or I'll do a lecture and then I'll have to go home and do something for myself, whether it's Mm -hmm. do yoga for an hour alone or read a book or just have some solitary time to recharge Yeah, because of the behavior that I participated in. Exactly.
1: So I think that's, you know, like you said, it's also for parents to keep in mind to don't, you know, be worried that your child can't do something because if they're introvert or extrovert. First of all, we can't change their nature, so stop trying to do that. If anything, you're just going to teach your child that they're not okay as they are, but you're not going to be able to change them. But secondarily, they won't be limited in their life. As you said, maybe sometimes things can be harder for some people because the society seems to bias extroversion, but you can be very successful as an introvert. Even you can be a leader as an introvert. And in that book, Susan Cain talks about how she sees Gandhi and Martin Luther King as introverts, and these were two of the greatest, you know, leaders we had in the 20th century, mm-hmm. and they were both introverts. So this idea that the, a leader has to be this loud, outgoing, charismatic, you know, talking to so many people, kind of a person, isn't the case. You know, we actually need more introverts in power, that's another thing she talks about in the book, because oftentimes they're the people that are more reflective, contemplative, going to look at things in a different way, not as quick to judgment, which is a very valuable skill and very important when we're trying to make decisions about life and the world. So don't think your child, if they're an introvert, is somehow going to be limited in society.
0: Um, and you know, I, I see and hear parents all the time say things like, oh, so-and-so was able to stand up in front of the whole class and say (laughs) something. And, you know, I wish my daughter or son was able to do that. And, um, you know, I wish that they can, you know, run the boy scout group Mm -hmm. or what, you know, whatever it may be. And although it's perfectly normal and acceptable to have wishes for your child or what, what you would want them to be really the key here is to help your child understand themselves mm-hmm. so they can appreciate it. Because often you'll see introverts struggling with their own nature. It's almost like there's a battle within right. between themselves and themselves, as as odd as that sounds, um, because they tend to reject their own nature, whether that comes from parenting and childhood, we don't know. But Introverts do tend to think, how come I can't do that? Or what's wrong with me? Or I wish I can stand up in front of people, or I wish I can, you know, go out with my friends and, um, you know, do all these things that people do. And so once an introvert can really understand what their nature means and how much power is in that, it can really shift their own perspective and allow some space for their own growth, even like you said, with. You know, all of these powerful people, Martin Luther King, and there's a lot of people that have a lot of power in their introversion. It's really about owning that, accepting mm-hmm. that, and loving yourself for who you are exactly. instead of pathologizing mm-hmm. or rejecting yourself and wishing you were some other way.
1: Exactly. And, you know, um, that's that's the, as I was saying before, the parents' role is to bring out the best of their kids. And we have to be aware of our bias. If you have the bias that most of society has, that extrovert is better than introvert just like you said, oh, look, you know, one of my kids goes in front of the whole class and says this, the other kid won't say a word. like, And will praise that kid for being the one who talks in front of class and in a way shame the other kid or encourage them that you should be more like your brother or your sister who talks so comfortably rather than recognizing it's okay. And, and, and something we'll touch on, I think, in the last segment is parenting multiple children and how that's going to ask different things from you. But it's just making them make sure your kid feels okay as they are. And another skill that introverts have that's a very powerful one is that they tend to be better listeners, which mm-hmm. means they're also better at taking things in, understanding, learning, especially from other people. They take things in, so observers. Might, exactly, they're observers. So as much as we think it's so good to be talking so much, but really we see that some of the greatest minds were very good at listening, and they took in a lot, and because of that, learned more, and were able to do even more with with what they did. So it's really important as parents to not fall into that trap of thinking I'm supposed to raise an extrovert. I need to raise an extrovert. I got to make my kid become more extroverted and love talking in front of groups and all that stuff. And other parents praise them like, oh, you saw so-and-so's kid was performing here or doing that or doing this. And we we, we shame parents and we shame the kids for being introverts, calling them words like shy or antisocial mm-hmm. or uh, you know low self-esteem or whatever else we might try to throw their way and not recognizing this might just be their nature, which is totally, uh, okay.
0: Right. And, and, you know, it's important to understand your own nature Mm -hmm. as a parent. Um, and often, you know, your own nature may clash with your child's nature and that can be a challenge in and of itself. Mm Um, you know, as we're going to talk about in the next segment, imagine if your own nature clashes with multiple children that you have or you know there's different natures that go on between you and each child and so it's really important to understand yourself also that way you can really get a good sense as to what your expectations are of your child and whether that's an appropriate Mm -hmm. version or not.
1: Right yeah and I think when the clashes uh, uh, when you you talk about the personality clash, in the first segment I talked about your own issues being projected onto your kids. But something that parents often do, sometimes out of their own awareness, is they might prefer the child that is more like them. Right. Or actually they can sometimes do the opposite. If they have some hatred or negativity towards themselves, they might dislike the kid that's more like them. But we have to be aware of our own nature and how that might reflect in how we parent our children, how we uh, might judge them one way or the other. You know, I actually was looking online. Some people depends on who you ask. We'll say the different people. Uh, we talked about Gandhi and Martin Luther King. Some might say Martin Luther King was more of an extrovert. I was seeing some people making their different comments. But anyway, uh, some leaders, definitely Gandhi was more introverted, but was able to make great change through what he did. Um, but again, your job as the parent is to make your kid the best that you can make them be. So if you have an introverted child, um, And I think with your three kids, you probably have a range, you know, you get three kids, you probably have a little bit of both. Do you have any thoughts on what parents can be aware of with an introverted child? For example, one um, idea I know is important is when it comes to social events, be aware that this is less comfortable for them. Like if they're going to a kid's birthday party, don't think they should love it. They should have a good time. Understand that that actually might not be their favorite thing doesn't mean don't encourage them to go because they still do need to be have, you know, part of the social, Mm -hmm. uh, have a social life. But are there any other thoughts you might have for parents who have an introverted child to keep in mind or uh, to be aware of?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely with all children, but particularly with introverts, it's important to be really conscious of their internal experience and their internal world. And so conversations with them about what they're feeling, what they're thinking are really important. Um, appreciating what is a balance between their comfort and their growth. And what I mean by that is if they don't want to go to the parties or they don't want to participate in anything, of course, that's not okay either because there's a lot that can be gained from that. But finding a healthy balance between what their nature allows them Mm -hmm. to do and how their nature allows them to participate and what will allow for some room. For them to grow and expand as a person um you know introverted children are different some like solitary play some like one-on-one play some like small group play Mm -hmm. i mean there's different versions even within the introverted world And so it's really important just to tune into your child and really to keep in mind that they have a whole internal world that exists that's not externalized. And so you may not see the obvious things that you'll see on an extroverted child's face or demeanor in an introvert. And so it's important to keep in mind what's comfortable and then also push a little bit for some growth, um, it's important to consider what is going on inside of them. It's mm-hmm. important for them to find a balance of what's healthy and where they can be the best version of themselves without feeling the social pressures right. to be different.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, this idea, which will tie into, we're getting close to the next commercial break, um, the idea of parenting different children and on the spectrum of introversion, extroversion. I brought them up recently. My cousin has twins. My cousin, Pedram and his wife, Isla. they have a boy and a girl. And one of them, the girl is very extroverted and the boy is very introverted. And so when we would be saying goodnight to them, they'd have this goodnight routine, which was very sweet. And they'd have each of the family members come to their room one at a time. They'd kind of have a a system. And when you'd go to Layla's room, um, she would want you to tell elaborate stories. And it was all about like interacting. And she wanted that closeness of having you be there. And she loves just telling stories and being very um, social. Whereas Ryan, when you'd go to his room, he wanted very short interaction and he was ready to go to sleep. And so they're different on this one uh, characteristic, but also it relates to the idea we'll talk about after the break that as a parent, you have to be aware that your kids have different needs. So if we thought, well, I spent five minutes in Layla's room, I have to spend Five minutes in Ryan's room, he actually maybe wouldn't like that five minutes. He maybe wanted his privacy. And so it actually would be violating his nature, or going against what he wanted in this idea that I want to be fair and fair means exactly the same. Yes, um, And that's actually not what the kids needed. So it was really interesting to see that firsthand. And Ryan, Layla liked being in front of groups and talking with, with the family and she loved it. Ryan loved the one-on-one and he really enjoyed that. And you can tell that's where he flourished. And so to think, no, because Layla talked in front of the group, now Ryan has to, or because Ryan is doing one-on-one, we have to make sure Layla has the same one-on-one. We would actually be missing what the kids wanted. And that's, I think, the biggest thing that as a parent you're supposed to be doing rather than thinking, of what's the right thing I'm supposed to do based on kind of some philosophy always. It's more about listening to your kids and understanding their specific and unique needs and so after the break we can talk about parenting multiple children and the challenge that that poses on parents and some thoughts on that again my guest tonight is dr jennifer galvin we'll be talking more about parenting after the break you're listening to in session with dr fadid alakwi we will be right back back um before the break we were talking about m- parenting multiple children and as i was saying i think this is a big challenge that lots of parents have even in my own private practice i see it very often um where parents will come in and they'll say you know they'll come in about their teenager who's the second uh son or second kid and then they'll say you know we didn't have this issue with my first kid and they're so confused or they say you know we did this with our first kid and it was no problem and now the younger one doesn't like it and they don't seem to understand how that's possible and I think it goes back to that idea or that model that many of us have whether it's in teaching but also in parenting that it's one size fits all so if you have a technique and it works with one kid it should work with every kid and if it doesn't work on that next kid the idea is that the kid has the problem because the technique worked the first time right and unfortunately that makes them judge this new kid or shame that kid that you're the problem we, we, we know how to parent a 13 year old and if You're now 13. It doesn't work. You must be the problem. So it's that recognition that your child, each child is unique and the same parenting technique isn't necessarily going to work on all your kids. And again, your job as the parent is to really see and to listen to your kids and have that flexibility to recognize there isn't just one approach or one size fits all, but to meet the needs of your individual child. Um, And so I know you as the mother of three kids, can you yeah, I know you have the professional lens to see that through, but personally, have you seen that with your own kids?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just looking at my older two, the little one's a little too small to really know what part of the spectrum she lies on, but um, they're completely different in nature. And it's interesting to look at both personally and professionally, because I think whatever your nature is, versus your child's nature, a, there can be a struggle in that. Mm-hmm. So whether, let's just say I'm, a, I'm an introvert, with my child who's more introverted, it's difficult because I can see and understand her struggles in the world because mm-hmm. I had similar ones. Um, I'm an introvert. My other daughter who's extroverted, I can, that's also difficult because it's hard to understand their nature. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to see life through that lens when that's not part of your biological nature. And so it can be uncomfortable. Um, it can be really difficult to manage when they're different and when they're the same. So mm-hmm. it's important to keep that in mind, too. Um, but definitely my my older one is more introverted. Um, things that I notice in her, she's a lot more sensitive. She takes in her outside world and keeps it in. So you see her often observing everything around her. She's quiet. Um, she watches everyone. She pays attention. She's easily affected by things. And so, you know, you'll say something or do something to both of them and Um, one of them, the extroverted one, will brush things off and go on with her life and the other one will carry that with Mm -hmm. her and be affected more significantly by it. Um, It's also interesting to watch them play the more introverted one likes to kind of create her own world with her toys. She likes to have her own space. She gets really upset if someone intrudes or invades upon that space. Mm So she'll build a house or whatever it is. And if somebody messes it up or comes inside, it's, it's very traumatic. Um, and if you can take that visual and apply it to the internal world, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing, right? So it's, there's a whole world that goes on inside and, and it's, invasive when somebody comes at you and tries to impose their energy on you right um
1: you know just the way you described them i was imagining both of them arriving at a you know a playground or somewhere to play and the more introverted one might want to take some time to like observe the you know the scenario, the, the surroundings. Whereas your your younger one is probably going to run out there and already yes. start playing, and so. But a parent might have this temptation, like, "Oh no, you should start playing as soon as you get there." So why is my child not playing? The one who's playing first is doing it right. Right. But it's recognizing, as I think you're able to do, that they have different natures. So for her, your older one might need some time to kind of take scan the environment, get comfortable, and there's nothing wrong with that or bad about that, and to not make her feel bad about doing that and and doing what feels right for her.
0: Yes. It's important to be patient with her Mm -hmm. and allow her to do things on her own terms. So if she doesn't want to run and go play on the playground, then I don't force that. Um, I sit with her and I wait with her and I encourage her and I talk with her and she'll go and do it eventually on her own terms. Whereas my daughter, who's more extroverted, you'll see her, she just goes and she runs and she plays and she goes from place to place and she has a lot of energy. It's also interesting to watch them two interact Mm -hmm. because their natures are also opposing. And so one is more introverted, the other one's more extroverted. And you'll see the extroverted one will go and throw something and play and mess things up and has a lot of energy and runs around and the introverted one is really upset and um, feels like she intruded on her space and messed up her whole setup and messed up, you know, her imaginative Mm -hmm. play. And so it's interesting to watch them too. And it's, I try to help them understand each other, yeah you know, this one has a lot of energy. This is how she likes to play. That's fine. That's who she is. And this one's more introverted. So, you know, she wants her space and don't mm-hmm. mess up her space and don't touch her toys. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to also maneuver that among right. siblings when there's different natures.
1: Yeah. And I think even in hearing you say that story, I could imagine many parents' reactions being like telling the, the more introverted one, oh, don't be so sensitive or don't yes. make it just play. You know, your, your sister's playing with you. And it's not, again, respecting that other child's nature and what they feel and that their feelings are always important and matter. So um, there's this idea that caring about things is almost bad or being affected by things is bad. And so you should tell your kid not to, whereas it's just shaming them for their feelings. And you're, you know, you can have two kids that have very different responses to the same event. And this, you know, goes back to parenting multiple children, even like, let's say through something as traumatic relationally as divorce, your kids might react very differently to it. And there isn't a right way or a wrong way. It's about responding to each other's reactions and needs in a way that meets them where they are at. So, you know, we have to be very aware of this, not to tell our kids in even indirect ways sometimes that that's the better way to react or that's the worst way to react and to respond to both of them with sensitivity and appreciation for who they are.
0: We talked a little bit about this before the show. And there is a program that some of the schools use in other districts in Santa Mm -hmm. Clarita District where they actually learn the nature and the the typology of each child at school. And then they adjust an individualized curriculum for that child. Mm-hmm. And it's quite interesting because if you take that concept and apply it to daily life, that's basically what we're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So take each child, understand their character and their temperament, and behave or parent accordingly. And so if you're able to do that, of course, it's challenging. It's not a one size fits all model. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot of effort on the parent's behalf to try to understand each, not only their own nature, but each child's nature, and then how to interact appropriately with that child based on their needs. Um, it, it really can help foster an environment that's very productive and beneficial for the child for all, you know, whether right. it's an introverted child or an extroverted child.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. You know, the, since you brought up education, I think the same philosophy applies to, to parenting. But the word educate, usually when we think of education, more most people think of you go somewhere and they fill you with knowledge or information. You know, that's kind of the classical sense of education. But actually the word educate, the core of it comes from a Latin word that means to bring that which is already in out, like bringing what's already there. So it's like Your kids have all these gems and beautiful things within them, and your job as a parent isn't to fill them in of how to be a good person, how to be successful, how to whatever it is. It's to bring out that goodness that's already within them out and whatever that is. So modern education practices more and more are moving towards this more tailorized kind of idea that you can't just teach everyone the same because that's not how it works. It's not... The way people learn is different, the way they interact is different, all sorts of things. And then the same thing applies to parenting, that you're not supposed to, as I said before, make your kids be one way or parent them the same way. It's That's the challenge of parenting multiple children is that you do have to do different things for the different kids because they are different. They need different Uh, things. An analogy I used with you over the break was the idea of if you're cooking for people, you know, there's not one meal that's the right meal. Different people are going to enjoy different things. So you can't say, well, so-and-so ate this and thought it was delicious, so you must also like it, you know? No, Mm -hmm. they can like Mm -hmm. very different things and they need different things from you.
0: Yeah. And and on the topic of education, you know, my, my daughters go to a particular school that really emphasizes this philosophy. And so they really try to tune into the character and the temperament of the child and bring what's in them out. And so they do a lot of passion-based projects and mm. and they allow the child to be who they are. So there's children who like to play one-on-one, mm-hmm. which may be an introverted child. and may not. Who knows? There, there's a, individual projects, one-on-one, small groups, large groups. So you can kind of get a sense as to where your child falls based on how they are in school mm-hmm. and get in a better understanding for how they are in social environments and what's comfortable for them and how they engage. And that can be a good foundation or a good start to trying to understand their nature. Yeah.
1: And I think, um, you know, hearing you talk about that, I, I was reminded of, you know, something we should also mention that. As a parent, you also have to be very aware of not letting your kids feel like you favor one of them over the other. It's it's another big challenge of having multiple children. And virtually all children leave childhood feeling like one or the other was, you know, either their sibling was favored. It's pretty common. And so you have to work really hard to make sure that doesn't happen. And People think, oh no, I treat them exactly the same. I treat I give them both the same love. And we all every parent wants to say that and believe that. But we're sometimes very unaware of the ways that we praise certain characteristics that one of them has and the other one doesn't. Or we reinforce it in a way that might even seem subtle, but the kids will see it. So I almost tell parents, imagine your kids, and I do this not just about favoring, but imagine them in therapy 20 years from now. What do you think they're gonna say about your parenting? You know, what what might they complain about your parenting? And Do you think they could possibly say that you favored their brother or their sister over them? Like how might they see that? So you almost have to be thinking that far ahead about it. How might my son or daughter feel like I'm not favoring them or favoring their sibling or not making them feel good. And you have to really work hard at just giving them that feeling that I love you as you are. That's really your biggest role. Yeah. I see you. It's it's such
0: an important thing. Really. We all want that at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. And. For a child to feel seen for who they are on the inside, Mm -hmm. whatever that may be, wherever they fall on the spectrum, is really what it boils down to. Mm -hmm. I see you. I hear you. I'm with you. It's it's really important. Yeah,
1: I think that's, uh, you know, as a parent, even as a teacher, we're talking about, especially as a parent, that's, again, your job is to see your child for who they are, what they are, their true nature, and love them. And then through that, get them to love themselves for being who they are. You know, one of the worst things you can teach your child is that they're not okay as they are, or they shouldn't be the way they are, or they should be different from who they are. And I think parents often think that's what they're supposed to do. This is what a successful person looks like. This is what a happy person looks like. This is what a good person, whatever that might mean, looks like. And to force their kids to be that way, like, that's being a good parent. I can't let her be like this. or be I can't let my kid be shy. That's bad. I have to make them want to be friends with everyone or make them be the public speaker and talk to everybody. No, you're supposed to teach your kid to love themselves. And as you're demonstrating, you said yourself today, being an introvert, you can still go do anything. You can be talking on the radio or giving talks or be a great leader. But actually you can tap into your own power even more if you love yourself and feel good about who you are rather than trying to pretend you're something that you're not.
0: Right. Trying to force yourself to do something that doesn't feel comfortable for you is where the conflict lies. Mm -hmm. You can be an introvert or an extrovert and do whatever it is that you choose to do. And you'll replenish and recharge your energy in your own way, whether that's by doing something social and and um, something that will give you energy, or whether it's recharging on a solitary level, whatever that looks like, but it doesn't. Your nature doesn't limit you in what you can do. Mm-hmm. It really is a foundation for understanding yourself and appreciating and accepting and loving yourself mm-hmm. and your child.
1: And, and I think that's the the biggest lesson I think we have today is that love your child for who he or she is and their nature, and help them love themselves and then basically get out of the way. Let them grow into who they're uh, going to be and they can be, and let them bring out the best of who they are. Well, Dr. Jennifer Galvin, we've reached the end of the show. Thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yes, we'll probably have you on sometime again soon, um, talk about maybe another parenting issue. And we kind of ran out of time today. There's so much we wanted to talk about, but we'll definitely have you back soon. So thank you again for joining me. Again, that was Dr. Jennifer Galvin um, joining me tonight, talking about parenting and on Wednesday show, as I mentioned before, I'll talk about the book, ta book, We Were Eight Years in Power. All right, you've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dalaqui. Have a wonderful night.